Good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. There we go. All right. Beautiful day. Thanksgiving week. We're going to start with a song. It's a good Thanksgiving course. Please stand with me. It comes from Psalm 100. It says, He has made me glad, or I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Let's sing this together. Here we go. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Come on now. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Let's put our hands together. I will enter his gate with thanksgiving on heart. I will sight this morning. All the blessings that the Lord has given us. This song reminds us of the season to count our blessings and we will never stop. Let's sing that together. Count our many blessings. When upon my fellows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Surprise you what the Lord has done. So count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burning? Crossing heavy, you are 
Good morning, Bridesburg. So glad that you are here this morning. We are here for one purpose, for one reason, and that is to worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are excited about that today. Those of you who are joining us through television or through Facebook Live, we want to welcome you this morning as well. I'm Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Bridesburg Baptist Church. And for those of you on Facebook Live, there in the comments section, if you would, please put your name and let us know that you're with us this morning. It always encourages us to know who's worshiping with us. And if there's any prayer needs that you might have, we'd love to know about those as well today. For those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Bridesburg. We want to welcome you. So glad that you're with us today. And if you will, that card that is in front of you in the pew, if you take that out and fill it out, and then you can place that in the offering plate that's on the large round table in the foyer. And we thank you for doing that. It helps us to know of your attendance. But more important to us, helps us to know how we can minister to you and pray for you. And so glad that you're with us this morning. If you will, please take out your catalog this morning, okay? It has a lot of information in there. Uh, a few things that I want to point out to you. Uh, first of all, uh, this is um, our Sunrise uh, Christmas Offering Sunday. And if you don't know what Sunrise does, Sunrise helps to take care of the most uh, vulnerable children in our state. Uh, children who have been involved in abuse many times are the children um, that we minister to through Sunrise. And uh, you're a part of, of supporting Sunrise through your cooperative program giving. Uh, but also, this is an opportunity at Thanksgiving for us to have a special offering uh, to help this very important ministry. Uh, you might know that Sunrise has stood up for what we believe to be um, God's view of, of, of the family, and, and they have stood up for uh, our values, and in doing so, they have taken a hit <laughs> from the state of Kentucky, uh, the government, and they need our help even more now than, than in the past. And so if you'd like to give, uh, you have all the opportunities there. Uh, that you can give and one of those is you can give through uh, the offering plate and you'll see uh, the opportunity there in your bulletin uh, also want to point out once again this year uh, through bags of hope you have the opportunity to have a christmas blessing box made and you see the it's very simple what you do there the items that you can collect and you can do that on a daily basis and uh, it only takes uh, you know the month and you'll have each day an item and and simply put together a box that will bless a family this Christmas. And so if you'd like to help with that, all the instructions are also in there concerning how you can make that happen. Um, one item here at the church that I want to remind you of, uh, because of Thanksgiving, uh, we will be having our midweek service on Tuesday night. And so just think of Tuesday night as Wednesday night. All the times will be exactly the same. We'll pray at 630 uh, we'll have our classes at 7, so everything's just being moved to Tuesday night, but the, the times uh, that in the evening will be the same, so you see that in your bulletin. Also, our student ministry will be shopping for our Angel Tree gifts uh, on the 30th, and so if you have a, a student in 6th through 12th grade, make sure they're plugged in. Always a, a wonderful night and a real encouragement, and so we're looking forward to that. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed on uh, your prayer sheet this week that there are many names, and we certainly want to remember all of these who are experiencing physical difficulties, uh, other needs within our church family. But most importantly, we want to pray for the lost. We want to pray for those that do not yet know Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. And as we get ready to go into a Thanksgiving holiday this week, throughout the week you're going to have family gatherings. Throughout the week, I'm sure that many of us, if you're like me, you're going to be with your one. Pray the Lord might give you 
an opportunity to have a gospel conversation. Um, not just to talk about the weather or politics or football, but to talk about something that's going to last for eternity. To talk about Jesus' love for them and his desire to have a relationship with them. And let's watch how the Lord uses that to plant seeds and perhaps even give us a harvest here in this very special week. And so with that in mind, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, what a blessing to start out our service with all of these boxes that represent gospel opportunities in front of us. To recognize how big your plan is and to know that you allow us to be a part of it. To know that you allow us to join you in the amazing work that you're doing. Lord, we thank you, Lord. In this week, we have so much to be thankful for, but chiefly is the relationship that you allow us to have with you. Lord, we don't deserve it, but Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And this morning, we have mentioned many. Lord, names have been mentioned in classes. Lord, names have been listed on our prayer need sheet. But Lord, there's even other names that are on our hearts today, and we lift them up to you. But most importantly, we pray for the lost today. We pray for that one in our family. We pray for that friend, for that coworker, for that classmate, for that neighbor, who their greatest need, even if they don't yet recognize it, is a relationship with you. Lord, give us a holy boldness, even this week, to share what you've done in our lives and what you desire to do in theirs. To your honor and glory, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He's in all that God has done for us, aren't you? Can you start thinking? We're going to sing this song that says, I stand in awe of you, Lord, and I'll respect and worship boys. I'm going to ask us to stand. The song says, I stand in awe of you. Let's worship him and thank him for all he's done for us, it says. You are beautiful beyond description.
As we come to our opening time of prayer here at the altar, we recognize that all of us come into this place with different needs upon our hearts. And here at the beginning of our service, the beginning of our time together, we want to give you an opportunity to lay down any burden that might be upon your heart today, any need that you might have, and then just ask the Lord to speak into your heart and into your life today as we continue to praise Him through song and as we study His Word together that the Lord might speak clearly into our hearts. With that in mind, with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, the altar is open at this time. Let's spend time in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we are so thankful to know that we worship a God who knows our every struggle, who knows our every pain, who knows our every weakness. Lord, we're thankful to know that not only do you know them, but Lord, that you respond to us. Lord, that you comfort us, that Lord, you meet us at the very point of our need. And Lord, this morning I pray for those who are struggling health-wise, who those who have received a difficult diagnosis this week, for those who are still struggling with the loss of a loved one. Lord, I pray that you would comfort as only you can. Lord, I pray for those who are experiencing turmoil within their home and they're wondering how the relationship can ever be mended. Lord, I'm thankful that you are the God of reconciliation. But most importantly this morning, I pray for the lost. I pray for the one that is upon my heart, for the ones that are upon each of our hearts today. Lord, I pray for the one that is here and under the sound of my voice and knows they are lost at this very moment. They know they need a relationship with you, and I pray that today, Lord, they would understand that you love them, and you love them so much that you're not going to allow them to have peace in their heart until they have you within their life. And so, Lord, I pray for salvation in this place even today. Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly through your word, and Lord, we're going to give you the honor and the glory and the praise for all that is said and done, and the results are yours, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give thanks to you. Come on, stand up with a grateful heart. The song reminds us. Here we go. Give thanks with a grateful heart.
You know, there are a lot of people in this church that are dealing with things that, uh, well, it's just a struggle. Life is a struggle, and uh, if we didn't have the Lord to lean on, I just don't know how we would make it through. I, the, the ones that don't have him, I just don't know how they make it through life. You know, and that is one of the blessings that the Lord has given those of, of his children. No matter what we're going through, he is always there to help us see through that day. And we know that whatever we're going through, one of these days, it's all going to be over and we'll be with him. Listen to this old song. I love it. Till the storm passes by. Lord, hear my cry, dwell with me. 
Brother Tim, what a message. It has been a great day to be in the Lord's house, amen? And I have had a wonderful time worshiping with you, and I hope that you have experienced the Lord this morning and, and heard Him clearly, and we're looking forward to being in His Word this morning. If you will, turn with me as we continue our study through the book of Genesis to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And this morning we'll be looking at verses 12 through 22, and we'll be looking at the flood, we'll be looking at Noah and his life, uh, but most importantly we're going to be looking at the gospel, amen? And so we're going to be looking at salvation in the ark. So as you're turning there to Genesis 6, let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the way that you have already blessed us. And Lord, now as we enter into the study of your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly into our hearts. Lord, I want to pray very specifically for those who are here and they know they're lost or they know they don't yet have a relationship with you. I pray that nothing would distract them this morning. I pray that they would hear directly from you out of what took place thousands of years ago during the flood. 
recognizing that, Lord, that is a beautiful picture of what you did when you sent your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us as the only way for salvation. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen, and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have to tell you, I am very proud of our students. Uh, over the last uh, semester, we have had an amazing study, uh, and they have just done a great job of digging deep. And um, over the last few weeks, we've kind of uh, made, made a, a, a focus on worldviews and what it means to have a Christian worldview. Now, all of us see the world um, through specific lenses of, because of the situations and circumstances that have taken place in our lives, the way that we were raised, we all have specific lenses that we look through. For instance, if you had a very loving, a very active father in your life, then you have no problem understanding what God is like as our heavenly father. On the other hand, if you had an abusive father, if you had an absentee father, it's going to be difficult for you to understand the love of God because you've never understood that love in your earthly father. And therefore, you're going to have a, a negative view concerning any paternal figure in your life. And, and the view of God as a heavenly father is difficult many times for, for folks that have had that experience. But those are lenses. In a broader sense, we're talking about our overarching world view. The overarching world view that you have will affect everything in your life. The most critical questions, the most critical issues of life are determined by your world view. And so those questions, there's four major questions in life that are affected by your worldview. What is real? What is a human being? What happens after death? And what is right and wrong? And so our Christian worldview affects how we view each of those questions. It affects how we view everything in life. Our view of the beginning of the world is vastly different than that of an evolutionist because of our Christian worldview. Because we view the beginning differently, we view every other aspect of our world in completely different ways as well. I believe there is an unseen reality that is spiritual. The evolutionist believes that what we see uh, can be explained simply through the five senses, and that is all that exists. I believe we are made by God in his image and in his likeness. The evolutionist believes that we evolved from one cell organisms all the way up to human beings with highly intelligent brains, but that it took billions of years. I believe that after death comes the judgment and that we will spend eternity in either heaven or hell depending upon our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The evolutionist believes that because this is all there is, this is all that exists, is the seen world, that after death we simply, our bodies rot in the ground because there is nothing more. I believe right and wrong are determined by the absolute truth of God's word and it is unchanging. The evolutionist believes right and wrong are determined by what is good at the time for the masses. And that that can change with time, with situation, and with circumstances. And we've seen what that leads to in some of the most horrific acts in human history. And so perhaps nowhere is this difference in worldviews 
more striking than with the issue of the global flood in Noah's lifetime. When we come to the account of Noah's flood, Noah's ark, of the worldwide flood that took place during his lifetime, there are many who completely refuse to believe that it ever happened because of their worldview. They're unwilling to believe that it ever happened, but it did. And I believe it it is inerrant and infallible in the Word of God that it is accurately written down for us, that it is accurately recorded down to the smallest detail of exactly what God did and that the details matter because they point to Christ. There are many great truths to be learned from this passage. This account is about so much more than simply the instructions on building a boat, which is how many would view it. Here we find lessons about the sinfulness of man, about the grace of God and the preservation of human life. But even more importantly, in the ark, we see the Lord Jesus Christ and we see his plan of salvation for fallen man. And so as we look at this old, old story, I want you to see it in a new and a fresh way this morning. I want you to see this through the lens of the gospel. And I want you to see the lessons that the Lord wants us to gain from it. I want you to see Jesus and what he can do for anyone who is willing to call on his name and to enter through him the one door of salvation. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 22. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, from under the heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of the fowls after their kind, of the cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. You may be seated. I want you to notice three things that point back to the gospel here in Genesis chapter 6. 
First, we see the ark's plans. And we begin by looking at verse 14, and we see the articles. He begins by speaking of gopher wood. And this is a type and a picture of humanity. As with all living things, we recognize that trees have a life cycle. And so from conception, which would be the seed, to the birth, which would be the sprout, to the infancy, which would be the seedling, to the juvenile, which is the sapling, to the adult, which would be the mature, healthy tree, to the elderly, which would be the declining tree that it begins to maybe get some disease in it, and finally to the death, which leaves you with nothing more than a snag or a rotting log in the ground, but there is no life left in it. To build the ark, trees had to be cut down in their maturity. Healthy trees had to be cut down. A tree's natural life cycle had to be cut short to provide for the necessary means for the building of the ark. The tree had to die for the ark to be built for salvation from the flood to be made possible. Now, remember, this sounded crazy to this generation. The generation of Noah would have thought, what is Noah doing? He was building this ark on high ground, ground that had never even come close to seeing flooding. Noah's neighbors thought he was crazy to believe that a flood could come and lift this humongous boat up off of dry ground. And yet when the deeps opened and the skies released their deluge, it became clear that the ark was always the only way of salvation from the flood. To provide a way of salvation, God sent the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his life had to be cut short. Jesus' natural life was cut short to provide the only possible means for our salvation. Jesus had to die. He had to shed his blood to save us from our sins and our destiny of eternity separated from him in hell. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 8, he says, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with our stripes, we are, and with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Jesus gave his life because it was the only way for any of us to be saved. But also it speaks of pitch which is a type and a picture of the atonement. This pitch was to cover the wood of the ark. He says on the inside and on the outside of the ark, it covered the wood. In the same way, Christ's blood covers our sins. In fact, John 1.29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What was the purpose of this pitch? 
Well, the purpose of it was to protect the wood. This summer, Robin and the kids and even my dad and I spent an entire day um, staining our wood deck at our house. Uh, and and we, it, it took a longer period of time than I thought it might. That was a, a big job. And we did that because that wood needed protection. It was clear after just one year with no stain on it that it was, the rain was taking its toll on that wood. But now with that protection of the stain on that wood, the water that was once damaging the wood now simply runs off without harming the deck in any way. It has made it waterproof. The pitch made the ark waterproof. Now the water is a type and a picture of judgment. We recognize that that's what the flood was. The flood was judgment from God for the sinfulness of the world. And so the shed blood of Jesus protects us. He protects us from the wrath of God to come. Romans, 9, Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. So without the covering, without the covering of the blood of Christ, we would all be destroyed by the judgment of God. But it also speaks in verse 14 of the abodes. It speaks of the rooms. You might translate it nests that were inside of that ark. Now, if you've ever had the opportunity to go to northern Kentucky and to see the ark there in northern Kentucky, or maybe you've had the opportunity uh, to go to uh, Branson and go to the Sight and Sound Theater and see the production of Noah and the way that that is presented, you get a picture in your head of what these nests, of what these rooms were like that would have been places of rest, not just for Noah and his family, but for the animals as well. It indicated places of rest. And we recognize that Jesus provides a place of rest for all those who are weary. He provides it here in Him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is our rest. There is room for all of those in Christ who are willing to come to Him. And we see an invitation given. If you'll flip over to chapter 7 and look at verse 1, he says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house within the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. There is an invitation given here in chapter 7. They were invited to come in, not to go away, but to come in. And that implies they were asked to join God not to depart from him. The sinner is invited to join God, not to, drive, not to drive them away. God's invitation is for us to come. His grace is a picture of him saying, come, come unto me. Revelation twenty two seventeen, And the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Some of you this morning may be saying, well, I've done too much. I've been, I've been too bad in this area or that area. God would never want me to come to him. How much clearer does he have to be? He says, come, bring your baggage, bring all the mess. Let me clean it up. You're never going to clean it up on your own. Come into relationship with me. Come. He told Noah and his family to come, and today he tells us to come. And there is room for you to come unto him today. 
Think about the size of the ark. Think about what it, how it spoke of, of the measurements of this ark. Some people say, well, how could there have been a boat big enough to house all those animals? If you've ever seen the ark, the question is not how could it be big enough, but why did he build such a big boat? This thing is a massive structure. It was 450 feet in length. It was 75 feet in width. It was 45 feet in height. And if you add that up, that is one, over 1.5 million cubic feet of space. This thing is massive. Each deck contained 33,750 square feet. That's floor space that is equivalent to 21 college basketball courts. It's estimated that 35,000 known species could, could fit into 150 locomotive boxcars, okay? The ark was the size of 530 locomotive boxcars. Enormous. There was plenty of room. There was room in the ark then, and there is room for you this morning in Christ. But there will also be room in the hereafter. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. I love what Jesus tells us and promises us here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. There is room for you in the church today, and there will be room for you in glory in the days to come. There is room. Come to him. But also we see the access. If you go back to chapter 6 and look at verse 16, he says, A window shalt thou make of the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. There is access because there is the door. The door to the ark. There was only one door in the ark. And there is only one door into salvation, and his name is Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture jesus is not just a way he is the only way acts chapter 4 verse 12 neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved john 14 6 you can all probably say it with me jesus saith unto him i am the way and the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me. But then also there was the window. The window allowed light into the ark. The light came in through that window. And where was that window located? It was located above. And therefore Noah always had to look up for the light. Reminding him of where his hope came from. The sinner too must look up for light and for salvation. Ephesians 2.8 for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God. Look up. But secondly, we see the ark's provision. It gave. We see the promise given there in verse 18 of chapter 6, which is God's covenant. God promised to sustain the lives of Noah and his wife and his sons and his daughters-in-law. He promised to, to, to protect their lives even in the midst of this flood. God always keeps his promises. Always. And so it is with salvation. The sinner who comes to Jesus need never fear that God will change his mind and that they might be lost. John 6, 47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Romans 4, 21, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. The promise was received through obedience. And that's how the sinner comes into salvation relationship with Almighty God, through obedience. It is obedience to the call of the Spirit that brings eternal life. But also we see in verses 18 through 20, the provision. The ark promises to preserve. It promised to preserve human life. Jesus will preserve those who come to him by, by faith. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints is one of the most dear doctrines that we have as Baptists. That once we are saved, the Lord has us and he is never going to let us go. Even if we tried to let go, he's not letting go. That you are held in him. I believe the saints of God are called on to serve God, but I also believe that we are preserved by God. That we are sealed by the Holy Spirit himself. 2 Corinthians 1.22 Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. I want you to notice who shut the door. Who shut the door of the ark? God did. Not Noah. And if God's the only one that can shut the, shut the door, then we are promised that our salvation is sure. Man cannot undo what God has already done. But also he preserved animal life. God's plan will ultimately rescue his creation. Reverse the curse. Romans chapter 8, verses, 22, verses 20 through 22. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. He will rescue his creation but also we see in verse 21 the plenty that he speaks of there was an ample supply of food for everyone in the ark including those animals god is able to save he's able to keep and he's order, able to carry to heaven everyone who places their trust in him he is able to get you home and he's able to take care of you here there's no use in worrying he takes care of us God is able to do all. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Trust in him completely. But then lastly, notice the ark's performance. It rode safely. You know what? God knew what he's doing. He built a boat. It rode safely. While the world beneath perished, the ark rode safely above the judgment. And this world is falling apart around us. Can, you, can we agree on that? But if you are safe in the ark, if you're safe in Christ, 
then you are safe indeed. The old ship of Zion is still sailing. And not only will the ark of salvation ride out the storm in the here and the now, but it will also dock on the, sh on the sunny shores of heaven one day very soon. Neither man nor devil can stop God's ark from her intended harbor because we are safe in Christ. But also it rested safely, we see in chapter 8, verse 4. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountain of Ararat. It rested in, in the time that God called it to rest, on the seventeenth day of the seventh month. Listen, that is exactly three days after the Passover was then to be killed. The seventh month became the first month after the Jewish calendar. And therefore, the ark rested on the same day that Jesus would, thousands of years later, walk out of that tomb. Jesus died on the 14th day of the month, and he arose on the 17th day. Is that coincidence? I think not. God was pointing to Jesus. The point of all of this is that one day the sailing ended and the ark rested. And one day our journey will end and we too will, re will have the opportunity to rest on heaven's shores. The glories of, of that city best be summed up in, in three verses. Revelation 21.4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And then Revelation 22.3 and 4, and there shall be no more curse, for the throne of God said unto the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And then I want you to notice what Noah did in chapter 8. Verse 20, and Noah built an ark unto the Lord, and, and, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and he took every clean beast and every clean fowl, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. What did Noah do? What was his first act? He worshipped. He worshipped, and we too, when we recognize our salvation and the one who has rescued us, our first inclination and our forever inclination should be to worship Him, to get on our faces before Him and to worship Him. Think about that scene there in heaven, there in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to read it all, but it says that the Angels and all those saints in heaven are before the Lamb. And they're worshiping Him in verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made unto us a, a, our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on earth. And I beheld and I heard the voices of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, 
heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and the twenty elders fell down and they worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. He is worthy to be worshipped. And so the question comes this morning, where are you going for salvation? Who are you trusting for your salvation? If you are not running to the shelter that is the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are in terrible danger this morning. There is no other hope for fallen man other than Jesus. Listen to me, your church attendance means nothing if you are trusting church attendance for your salvation. Your good works mean nothing. Your tithing means nothing if it is outside of a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one door and he is Jesus Christ. And if you are not in a personal love relationship with him, then you are outside of the ark. And guess, guess what happened to everyone outside of the ark? They were destroyed. But inside the ark, there was rest and there was peace and there was security. You need a relationship with Jesus today. If you are in Christ, then you are safe. If you are outside of a relationship with Christ, the door is still open. The door is still open this morning. The Lord has not closed the door yet. But one day the door will be shut and it shall not be opened again. And so... My question again today is, why are you putting off relationship with Christ? What, what's your excuse this morning? Because I'm sure you have one. What's your excuse for saying no to Jesus today? Well, I'm embarrassed to come forward. I'm shy. There, you know, there's too many people. Somebody's not here today that I want to be here. The door is open today. The door is open. Christ has his arms wide open for you will you come will you come will you stop putting it off will you stop saying well i'm sure there'll be another day you're not promised another day would you come lord heavenly father we thank you we thank you for the beautiful picture of salvation that is seen in the promise of the ark lord we thank you for your promise that was given thousands of years before and was kept in the coming of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today for some of my close friends who are lost and they're sitting here today under the sound of my voice and weeks and months and years have gone by and they've pushed you away. Lord, I pray that today might be the day of salvation. I pray that today would be the day that they would say yes to you. Lord, thank you for the door. Thank you for Jesus. Help us to be obedient to your honor and glory, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.